Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm obviously uh, nervous. I, I get I get nervous every time I, I come up to share, mostly because uh, I tend to get I tend to get in the way, um, and so I, I could introduce more about myself and. Honestly, it doesn't really matter this morning, uh, and so I'm not going to waste too much time talking about me. Um, but I, but, but I, I do want to just say one thing. I, I had this thing on my mind yesterday. It was a bit of a joke, and it's not really much of a joke, but it's, I had said, you know, everybody here, if, if, if you're from this congregation, uh, I can guarantee there's at least one of two ways that you will be blessed this morning. I can guarantee. It's a promise. Uh, number one, there's a blessing coming. If you absolutely love the message and the Holy Spirit does something, hallelujah, there's a, mess, there, there's a blessing coming. And praise the Lord, if I miss the mark and you're like, oh my word, please don't ever let a visitor come back here and, and speak. And you're like, oh, that was horrible. Uh, the second blessing that I can give, if that's you, there's a guaranteed blessing because church is not about some guy with a beard yelling at you for 45 minutes or three hours or however long I take. I mean, that might, that might determine which blessing you get at this point. And, and so I want to encourage you. I apologize. I do speak fast. Uh, I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'll try and slow down so that everybody can hear. Um, but I am excited to be here. I, I sort of have notes, uh, but it's mostly just X's over the things that I shouldn't say. Um, and so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm honestly not entirely sure where we're going today. Uh, but what I am sure is that, that, that I prayed before I got here. Uh, and, I'm, I, and what I am sure of is that we're going to pray again. I, I know, thank you for the incredible blessing of prayer over me, but I need a lot more prayer than that to make it through today. Uh, so we're going to pray a couple more times just to stay on target. Because uh, like I said, sometimes I run ahead of the car or however that works and, and the Holy Spirit runs me over and so I need to make sure I do things the right way. Uh, so, so again, I'm excited to be here. And I was really excited because uh, all the words that were shared this morning and, and I was thinking about it and I thought, you know what, I think sometimes when uh, the Holy Spirit gives me something, he lays on my heart to share, it, it's accurate. It's really accurate. Uh, and he gives me this glimpse, and, and my wife says this all the time, I get a glimpse, and then I'm like, hallelujah, I have God, and I have the Spirit, and, and I, I run ahead. And so I plan this beautiful message, and it was, it was glorious. It was, it was a beautiful message. Um, and I get to the end, and I come to a thing like this where people are really praying, and I'm like, seriously, I did all that work for nothing. Um, because half it's got to be thrown in the garbage anyways because it was, it was me thinking I had enough of God that I didn't need the rest. And I, I, you run ahead, not on purpose, but we always want that little extra. Um, and so I don't really know where I'm going today. But, but I, I, I do know that two things that jumped out at me uh, already in the message. Um, uh, number one is, 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 is faithfulness with the little things. And, and, and believing that God can do little things. But the other one is, is maybe it wasn't directly said um, but it was sort of said, we kept talking about the hem of the garment and, and, and the fear. Actually, uh, what I heard, what I saw was just the fear that holds us back from entering into the presence and the experience that God has for us. Um, and so I, I really felt like with what God had already laid on my heart, I'm going to really have to tie those in because they really do fit. And so I, there's the second half of my message I'm just going to throw out. Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, uh, you guys don't know me, but what's important is that I love the truth and that I love the Word and that I love the Holy Spirit. And, and as a person who speaks often in, our own, in, my, in my own congregation, I really want people to know the importance of, of, of correctly handling the Word of God. It, it, it's, it's a passion for mine, and so my messages do go long. I'm, I apologize. Um, no, I don't. Um, that's a lie. I need to confess. I'm not really that sorry. Um, but, but, but I really want to make sure people don't get led one way or another because... Um, sometimes you got an incredible speaker, and you're like, hallelujah, hallelujah, you go home, and you're like, well, that was, 
I was like all on board until I read my Bible and that was rubbish. Um, or sometimes you don't realize it was rubbish and then you go on a path because a speaker told a great story and it was, it will, you caught on fire and I'm going to get my miracle today and, and you're gonna, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, and it just, it doesn't happen. You're like, wait a minute, maybe I, maybe he didn't use the Bible the right way. So every time I preach, I like to first talk about some of the important things that I used to get to where I'm going. Just so you understand, so that if I get it wrong, you can go home and use your Bible and, and, and prove me wrong. Because I, I love that. Prove me wrong. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of tips. Uh, I, I just call them tips for Bible study. Uh, and so I, I've got three little things that are for today that is unique to today's message. Uh, number one, today we are reading a story in the Bible. We call it a narrative. It's a story in the Bible. And stories make people nervous. Because they're like, anybody can listen to a story and, and just take something out of a hat and be like, this is God's promise for you, all people, all places, all the time. And be careful. So the first thing I want to remind you of is, even when you're reading a story, you pick up your Bible, you're doing your devotions, you're reading a story, you're like, this is amazing. Okay, first of all, you can't write it off because other people have poorly used stories. So the first thing, to remind everybody, uh, back, back in the st Canada and the States, we say 2 Timothy, but... 2 Timothy, uh, if I got that right, to be culturally appropriate. 2 Timothy 3.16. Let's throw that up there. Is that up there? Do we have that? All Scripture is God-breathed? Yes. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I forgot to put 17 in there so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work, uh, more or less. Yeah, they'll get it up there and you'll make sure I'm not too far from the truth. Um, but all scriptures God breathed, and all scriptures designed to lead us somewhere so that we can be fully equipped. Oh, well, I was, never mind. Doesn't matter. I got it right. Just believe that I got it right and then read your Bibles. Um, so you be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So even a story is important. You can't write off a message or a, built around a story because it has a purpose. So the first question you ask when you read a story, you say, man, what is the good work that God has for me? Now here's the thing, Andrew said this about a thousand times since I've been here, and I've only been here for like three days. He says, you don't always know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's the second point when you read your Bible. You're not a genius. Um, or maybe you are, and you're still not a genius. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. And so the second thing you have to do when you read a story is first of all pause and say, wait a minute. Don't work too hard to find the truth in the story. Instead, before you get started... Maybe consider first uh, 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 10 to 12. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. When I, when I read a story, I say, God, I don't know what I don't know. Reveal it to me. And God will many times reveal something to me. And sometimes, even in a story, he'll reveal something to me that he doesn't reveal to anybody else. Now, two things. I can't just say, this is absolute truth for all people, all places, all the time. It's something the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. And the Holy Spirit will not take me somewhere that the rest of the Bible is bringing me. And so that leads me to the final point. If ever, myself or anybody else gives you a message, and they use all these fancy stories in the Bible, you know, a, a great example, you know, I've used before is Gideon. And they're like, okay, now everybody's got to throw out a fleece. Not necessarily a story for all places all the time, because God himself said, where's your faith? Uh, and so there are times maybe that we must do that, but be careful. You don't do that every time you have a decision. You know, throw the thing out and say, is it going to get wet or not tonight? Um, not probably going to give you the right answers all the time. 
And so that leads me to finally 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. We're going to jump into the word of truth today. And there are going to be things that I'm going to say that are going to be because the Spirit led me there. But I'm going to make sure that I back those things up with other stories and other scripture so that we go in the right direction. Because many, of, many times we have a YouTube faith, uh, you know, TikTok faith, uh, Instagram faith, and we, we hear the great inspirational speakers around the world who lead us in the weirdest places, but it sounds really good. So I'm going to say some things that might sound really good, and if I miss the mark, make sure that you st- keep going on the right path. Okay, that's, that's all I need to say because I think it's really important that we don't get led astray. So we're going to read a story today. One of my favorite stories is a story that actually led me to, led my wife to Africa. I was already going, basically, but I needed her to come with. So, And the story is in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. I think they'll throw it up there, but I read fast, so I'm just going to read it off here, and you guys will have to read it at home. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already consider- a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And I read that, and I looked at it, and the first thing I thought was, oh my word, please, I don't want to preach on that because everybody, I've heard a thousand messages on this story. And they're going to get bored, and they're going to want to leave, and they're going to say, no, don't ever let this guy come back. Because we all know that Peter took his eyes off Jesus. So I think we all know that, right? He took his eyes off Jesus. You know, don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. And that's an important lesson to learn. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times. And the second point, which we're going to talk about now, you've probably still heard quite a few times, but we're getting there. I'm going to land this plane eventually. We're getting there. But the, the thing that struck me about this story is that, is that Peter pursued a miracle. Like Peter actually pursued the miracle. He saw Jesus. The miracle had already happened. Jesus is walking on water. That's a, that's a miracle. I mean, ask me, that's a miracle. Oh, my word. And he says, he says, Jesus, if that's you. He didn't say, Jesus, if that's you, come over here and hang out with us. Because that's not what he wanted. He wanted. He wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to do what Jesus was doing. He wanted to do the impossible. He wanted it with all that he was. He said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. He pursued the things of God. 
And I see that in my own life, and I think many of you maybe are seeing it in your life. We all want an experience with God, and we come, we come to a, a congregation like this on a, on a Sunday morning, and we say, yes, Jesus is going to come into the boat today. And we come here, and in this place, we experience this, this incredible thing where, you know, when Jesus got into the boat, they, they worshipped him. And so we come, to, we come to church on a Sunday morning waiting for Jesus to show up. And at Jesus, he, he was there on Monday when you were in the hard time. He was there on Tuesday, and he was there on Wednesday. But we often wait till Sunday to say, Jesus, I just, I'm waiting for the presence of God in this place. And he's always there. He always comes. He always shows up. But are you pursuing him all day long? And there's this thing that, this thing that, the other thing that struck me is that I began to read through a whole bunch of other stories. And did you, there, there's a comment, you got to be careful when you read a story. You don't just say this is true for all people in all places, all time. But if every story tells you the same thing, goodness sakes, pretty soon you realize this is the character of God. Because that's what stories do. They show us the character of God, the heart of God. They may not be a teacher, but they're the heart of God. And the heart of God seems to be the same in almost every story. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Like, re remember, the rest of the disciples never walked on water. They were all in the same place. They were all the, the greatest men of God who probably ever existed were in this boat and one of them walked on. One of them said, Jesus, that's you, let me come. One of the greatest men. We've got some pretty great men, men and women in this place right now. I know that. I've, I've met some of them. One walked on. It's a common story. If you want, if you want a miracle, sometimes you've got to be ready to drown. One of, my, one of my favorite stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow down or you're going to go into the fire. Bow down or you're going to go into the fire. You know, if you want to walk through a fire, they, and I didn't write down the reference, but that, what they said was, was, our God can and will rescue us from your hands, but even if he does not, we will not bow. You see, I'm not here to promise that you're not, that you're not going to get burnt. I'm not going to ever promise that you're not going to start to sink in the, in the storms of the world. Because that's not a biblical principle. You will. Every biblical principle I see says it will be hard. It, it, it says it. But you know what? You can't walk through the fire if you don't enter the furnace. You can't walk, you can't walk on the water if you don't get out of the boat. You can't win the battle if you don't go to war. And I love this. There was, there was a time in history in the, in the, in the, with the Israelites, God's people, where the Philistines, they'd, they'd taken away all their, all their weapons, and they, it was horrible, and, and Saul's about to go to war, and he, they're trying to like use like pitchforks or whatever they use for their, their fields. And the only people allowed to have weapons were, were the royalty. And so Saul, he's, there's a big ravine here, and, and uh, the Philistines are over here, and, and Saul's, I have the reference, but I'm just going to tell you the story. Saul's over here, and Saul's basically crying. He's just being a baby, and uh, oh, we've got nothing. What are we going to do? And so Jonathan, he's got a plan. Uh, he's, he, he's brilliant. Jonathan had a brilliant mind. I loved it. Because here's what he did. He said, you know what? God is on our side. We're the, we're the children of God. We are God's people. That's who we are. Here's what I'm going to do. I, I will read. I think Scripture tells it better than I do, probably. Um, so here's what he did. So I gave you the background. Saul's crying with all the soldiers. Jonathan, all by himself. Army over here. Here's what he does. He says, in 1 Samuel 4... Uh, 14, sorry, 1 Samuel 14, 6 to 10, as long as I gave you the reference, yes. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, young armor bearer, come, 
let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps. Perhaps, maybe, the Lord will be on our side. He knows the Lord is on. He, God has already said, I'm on your side. But, but there's always that little bit of perhaps in there, right? Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, as Armour Bear said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on, then. We will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come to us, we will climb up because that will be the sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Now, if you are a soldier or have any sort of like logistical thinking in your head, if you're a logical person, you know that without God, this is the dumbest plan that anybody's ever come up with. So imagine here that you guys want to kill me, okay? You don't, hopefully, but you want to. I'm, I'm accurate enough here. There's no stones coming my way. So, and I have an army over there, and I am royalty. Like, I mean, you get me, you've practically won the war. Because that's how it was back then. You know, you, you, you kill Goliath, the whole army runs away. You kill the king, everybody flees. You kill the son of the king, you're going to win this battle by killing one man. And so I leave my army way back there. And I come down to where you can see me. Hey, guys. Now, the odds of you saying just wait there are about 0%. Maybe a little bit less than 0%. And the odds of you saying, hey, you want to you wanna fight? They're pretty big. Jonathan wanted to just finish this. He's like, I'm done. Dad's up there crying, crying over there, and, and I'm done. God said he was on my side. Let's go pick a fight. Like, like his, his, his arm members like, let's do it. You want to pick a fight? I'll pick a fight with you, buddy. We got God on our side. We'll pick a fight. If you want to win the battle, you don't get to sit there and say, oh, Jesus, protect me, help. That's not how battles are won. Battles are won when you say, hey, the devil's coming at me. I'm ready to pick a fight. Because when God is for us, who can be against us, right? There's nothing that can take you on when God is on your side. And so Jonathan picked a fight. Peter walked on water. Daniel, you know, you know the, the, the aisle's only closed when you go into the lion's den. I actually have a lion's den story of my, of my own, and I try and keep all my illustrations to Scripture, but every now and again I throw one extra one in. I want to tell you a story just so you get to know me a little bit better. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, and... For those who are wondering, man, he's really animated. I'm always this way. Ask anybody who's visited with me this week. Okay. So, so my wife and I were called over to, to Mozambique to do some pastoral training. We also have a school there with a whole bunch of children. Uh, they have to cross just a little river, just like a little, a little river to get to school. Often because of how hungry they are up there, uh, they put little, you know, they try and get the catfish. They just put a line in the water when they come to school. And on the way back, they come get the line. And so in one week, 10 days, we lost two uh, grade one or two kids to, to crocodiles. We don't have big crocodiles. They're only like seven or eight feet. But, but we lost two in one week to, to crocodiles. And it, it was horrible. It was heartbreaking. Um, and, and, the, and the community came to the mission and said, you got to do something. Uh, and as, I'm going to give you a little freebie here. Uh, as, 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 I've, I've grown up with some self-worth issues. I'm not really polished. Like, I mean... I think you've built a beautiful church here where everybody's allowed to be unpolished, but I'm from a culture where polishedness and leadership is important. The suit, the tie thing, you know what I'm saying? And I show, I don't even own a suit at this point. I, got, I wore a suit when I got married. I'm like, I don't need those things ever again. Um, and so I get there, and I'm, I'm rough around the edges, and, 
And uh, um, a phrase they use, it's not, maybe you wouldn't understand, they call it a redneck. I'm a bit, I'm a bit rough around the edges. Uh, different cultures have a different meaning for that. But, but you know, I, for fun, I, I get pulled behind on a, on a, on a quad with, a, take a car hood, put it upside down, so it's like a huge sled, and then you do tricks off of it because, anyways. Um, we do crazy things. And when God called me in Africa, I'm like, what are you, like, I got nothing, I got nothing to give. Like, I'm this bushman who hunts and, and, and climbs trees and lets my friends cut them down while I'm at the top. Like, I'm just a weird guy. And so these crocodiles have killed these kids, and, and, the, and the director of the mission's like, well, what do we do? Like, what's the plan? You know, and I'm like, here's the plan. We're going to kill the crocodile. <laughs> yes! Hallelujah! God finally has a use for me here in Africa. And so here's what I mean. I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this crocodile. And so with all my weird creative ways, I make this trap. What's a trap? It's a big hook with, 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 with a cow heart on it attached to one of the big buckets that we carry water on. You know the buckets on the head? And so that's the buoy. And so... And, and, a, and a cable to it. And sure enough, I put it by the river. Crocodile comes, takes the bait. And, and we live a ways away, and I get a phone call saying, get over here. The, 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 the floaty buoy is, is going back and forth across the pond. It's a really, it's a really thin river. So, so there's rapids here. There's rapids there. The only place where the crocodile lives in this, in this big pond. And, and I'm like, okay, great. So I get there. And while, before I got there, it was moving back and forth, but now it was stuck. And it was like almost fully under the water. So I get on my kayak, and I paddle out there, and I, I pull on the chain, and it's not moving. So I get a rope tied up, and all the village people from the community are there, and they're pulling on the rope, pulling on the rope, and, this, and I'm like, nope, the crocodile probably wrapped himself around, there's a dead tree, probably wrapped himself around the tree. And so the, so the people said to me, well, like, like you need to go make sure. <laughs> like, you, like, we've lost two children, you need to go make sure. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going in there. Because... My brain says, with the buoy, he can pull and pull, and the cable won't rip, right? Because, because it's, just enough, it's just enough drag, if you guys fish at all, just enough drag to not rip the cable. But if he gets around that tree, oh, that cable's going to snap like this. I am not going into the, shark, to the, into the, uh, the crocodile-infested waters here. And uh, so I pull and I pull, and, 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 and one of the main guys comes to me and says, Oh, pastor, don't you worry. Uh, we are going to get the curandero. Uh, so, 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 so kind of the spirit leader of the area. And, and because in the particular area that I lived in Mozambique, they believe crocodiles were controlled by, by evil spirits. And so, and so they were like, we, you're, afraid of, <clears throat> you're afraid of the evil spirits. We'll chase them away for you. And so now I have a, I have a moral dilemma. Um, <laughs> because here's the deal. If I don't go in the water... They will forever believe this God-fearing, you know, spirit-led man was afraid of evil spirits. And my entire testimony is ruined. Now, I'm afraid of crocodiles, to be fair. I am afraid of crocodiles. I am not a crocodile kind of guy. And, uh, and so I sit, I go to my wife, because my wife is the, don't be dangerous. Don't, like, I, I went on a motorbike ride yesterday, and she's like, if Mike leaves you behind, just let him go. <laughs> drive safe. Like, like, don't drive like you normally do. Drive like if I was on the back. And uh, so my wife's super safe. She's sitting on the shore, and she's, like, Googling, like, how long can a crocodile live underwater and stuff like that. And so, so I come to my wife, and I said, I said, honey, I got this dilemma. I have a problem. She's like, what's I said, I said, they think, they think I'm afraid of the evil spirits. And she's like, well, that, that's dumb. You're afraid of the crocodile. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm afraid of the crocodile. And uh, I said, but if I don't go in, what does that say about my testimony when I say God is more powerful than anything in the world? And so I said, what do I do? She says, what? Google says that a crocodile, if he's still on the hook, she's probably drowned by now. And I'm like, but what if he's not on the hook? She's like, but he's probably drowned by now. 
So, so I went over to the, I went over to the, to the, to the community people there, and I said, here's the deal. My wife says, I can go look for the crocodile as long as one of you takes responsibility for my family if I, if I die. And really quickly, one of the young men's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So, so I'm like, oh, okay, come on. So, so anyways, uh, the story's much longer than this, but I'm going to try and speed it up because we're not here to talk about me. So I grabbed the cable, and uh, uh, I made one of the guys come with me because I'm like, no, 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 no. you got to have enough faith, the same faith that I have now. So I, I grabbed, uh, he, he, he stayed in the boat. He, he paddled out so the boat was right where the thing was, and I grabbed the cable, and I just like, because it's really muddy water, right? I pulled myself down, just hand over hand, kind of trying to keep my eyes open in the dirt, like, to see if there's a crocodile. And, and I'm, I'm a bit of a chicken. And so, and so I get to the tree and I'm wrapping my arms around the tree underwater and I grab onto what I think is a crocodile and then I panic like, woo, you know. Um, <laughs> like, like, like maybe, like, sorry, like maybe Andrew's like a bit of a wussy and you know, I, and I, and, and if you've ever seen, I mean, we're from Cape Town, you guys have seen sharks or dolphins or something over here, right? What do you have over here that comes, I came out of the water like one of those, like, like a great white, you know, just like, whoa, and I like, like, I have a picture. It almost looked like I was like, like a dolphin, like coming out because I was like onto the boat, you know. And I get on the boat. Okay, no, I calm my heart. I go back down. Try one more time. Turns out, turns out the crocodile actually wasn't on the hook anymore. So, uh, I, so, so I don't know if that made me feel better or feel worse. Um, but the point being, I mean, long and so I'm going to wrap this up real quick here. Later on, the crocodile got away. We have a picture. You can't tell it's a crocodile, but where there wasn't a log before, there was a log afterwards. And so, so that was my, that was my, 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 my lion shut moment. Uh, because just like three days later, uh, they find the crocodile. He's on the shore. Uh, the, the cable kind of cut his back. It was making him uncomfortable. He crawled in a cave. Um, and I ended up crawling in... This seems like a really dumb thing to do. Um, in hindsight. I ended up crawling into the cave with a big piece of steel rod that you use for concrete. I sharpened the edge with some friends and then I climbed in and, I, and, I, and it was about this high and my beard was just covered in mud and, it, and I tried to stab him but, but my hands were above my head because you, you're shimmying like a military crawl and found out crocodiles actually make noise when you stab them. They don't just like roll up. And, then, and so the people outside see this missionary kicking his little feet and this crocodile go and, and I'm screaming, like, like hammer the rebar, because it's like a, six, like, a, like a five meter piece of steel. And I'm like, like, hammer the rebar, hammer the... So we get it through the crocodile in a really poor spot, and we drag it out, and then again, like a scaredy cat, I grab the hammer, and I stand way back, and then when, when he turns, I quickly jump on him and beat him to death with a, with a hammer. Um, and, no, but like, it sounds tough, okay? I know it sounds tough, but like, I was like screaming like a little... And, and finally, my wife, my, my wife says, says, honey, you've made it through the head now. Like, I literally beat. I was so panicked. I stopped thinking, and I, and I just kept hitting him until the hammer was hitting the rock underneath him right through his skull. And, uh, but, but, I re but I remember I remember telling the people as we, as we talked after, I gave them this, and, and remember there's a lot of spiritual stuff here that I couldn't really dive into with them. But I said, you know what? I said, you know what? You guys, were, you guys thought I was afraid of, 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 of the spirits. I said, but I, let me tell you the story of Moses. Again, Moses is another, another great story. The, Pharaoh throws down all, Pharaoh's people throw down all their staffs, right? All their sticks. And they all turn into snakes. But the, but, but the, but the snake from, from, the, from the staff of Moses consumed them all. And I was reminded again in those, in those moments of my life, I was like, oh my word, how, how great is it that, that, that when we want to walk on, when we want a miracle, sometimes we have to walk. Like there was, like everybody knows that was a stupid thing to do. I don't think there's anybody in this room who, who wouldn't be like, that was a, probably a pretty dumb thing to do. Like to swim with a crocodile who you had on a hook. Because the reality is, is he could have killed me. Like, like, that, like that, I mean, that's just the reality. If you, want, if you want to walk on water, you do have to risk drowning. Yeah. 
And sometimes you sink, just like Peter did. And if you want to walk through the fire, sometimes you, you, you might get burnt along the way. And there isn't actually a complete guarantee in Scripture that bad things won't happen. As a matter of fact, all the incredible... Peter ends up dying for his faith. He, ha- he, he got miracles in faith until he didn't. Because that was the end of his journey. But you know what he never stopped doing? He never stopped, you know, figuratively getting out of the boat. And so my challenge for us today is, is are you getting out of the boat? Are you being like Jonathan saying, Let, let's, let's do this? And I look at the hem of the garment thing that, that the person prophesied, and I really, I look around, and I feel like even as we did worship this morning, it can be easy. Everybody's celebrating, and all you got to do is get on your knees and just quietly to yourself say, Jesus, I'm broken. Jesus, I'm broken. Because it's not actually that scary, is it? It's not actually that scary. Just go down on your knees and say, Jesus, I'm broken. Say it quiet enough that nobody hears you. Jesus, I'm broken. Shh. And you leave feeling like encouraged for like five minutes. And you get out there and your marriage that was falling apart for this afternoon is going to be amazing. But by Wednesday, it's, it's going to be garbage again. Because you didn't actually fully step out of the boat. Because church is, whether you love this message or not, church is about family. Christianity is about family. You know, I, I just did something at our, our own congregation. I, here's what I said. I said, the gift of salvation, and there's some people here who might even need the gift of salvation right now. I don't know if you're a visitor. You've never actually given your life to Jesus. And, and, and the gift of salvation is free. You can't earn your way to heaven. But you know, the Bible says we're adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Like, we're not here because I am, have anything that you don't have. Simply today, God instructed me to say something. And tomorrow, he may instruct you to say something. I'm no better or no but, but the gift, the gift was free. But you know what the gift is for? The gift enters you into a family. And in family, there's vulnerability. In family, you've got to tell the truth. In family, you might have to confess. In family, you may not get to hide in the boat anymore. In family, you might need to do things. Because the Bible actually says, as a great example, is that the Holy Spirit comes and gives words of encouragement and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophetic words. And so what what I'm trying to get to in, in this part of my unplanned message is that If all you ever do is try and make things perfect between you and God all by yourself, you will never find the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And and it's contrary to what the world would tell you. Just, just, because the Bible does say give it all to God. It does say that. But, But we sometimes forget that you're supposed to give it all to God as part of a family. And that God might not answer your prayer to you. God might answer your prayer over here. And so unless this person connects with you, you don't get the answer. And so if we want to experience the great and powerful things of God, because when I talk about it, your miracle, I'm, I'm actually not talking, I mean, healing is one of those things, but 90% of the greatest miracles on the face of this planet are miracles of relationship, are miracles of healed, broken hearts, miracles of, of healed, broken minds, freedoms from addictions, healed marriages, fixed things of our heart. There's a passage in James that says, if anyone... And if any among you are sick, you know, bring it to the elders to pray over you and, 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 and you will be healed. And sometimes we forget that the way Jesus uses his language at times isn't always about the flu. 
It's not always about the flu. As a matter of fact, many times when, when Jesus talks about the sick, he's, you know, what's the first thing, what's he accused of more than anything else? The reason they wanted to crucify him wasn't actually because he was raising the dead, because before he'd do his great miracles, he would fix and heal the heart. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. They didn't, they didn't kill him on the cross because he raised the dead, because he healed the lame. They loved that stuff. What really ticked them off was he healed their hearts first. And I want to tell you today, there are people here today who need to get out of the boat. You've been praying for a miracle. You've been praying for healing. You've been praying for something to be fixed or directed in your life. But you've kept it so deep inside. And every Sunday and every Wednesday, you vaguely declare that you need a moving of God. And you might weep with 100% genuine tears. You might declare with 100% genuine faith. But you are terrified of the result that what happens if I get out of this boat and I share my vulnerability, I share my weakness, I share my brokenness, and they let me sink and drown. Or they do what we're more afraid of, is the moment I'm away from the security of my secret. They grab me by the head and they hold me under. Because the world has indoctrinated us with a culture that says, don't approach Jesus. Don't approach your brother or sister in Christ. Don't do these things. So instead, fight the battle on your own. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, 6, I think that's where I am, yes. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is not just saying, I believe in God. Faith is not just saying, I need a miracle. You know, we talk about faith involved with miracles. Faith is getting out of the boat. I've always wanted to go skydiving, but I have a wife who doesn't have faith in a parachute. Um, and so she would be totally fine with me saying I have faith in a parachute, and she'd be totally fine with me going up on the flight. What she's not fine with me doing is going through the door. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I just, because real faith is leaving the plane. Real faith is getting out of the boat. And so whoever that is this morning, that, 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 that's something for you. And I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here uh, because I, I actually think there, there's a second group of people who need to hear something. And I, it's from my notes and I, 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 God must have given it to me for a reason. Some of us are living, as I often do, whether it be on my crocodile story from 10 years ago or uh, the great stuff that that, 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 that your, your lead elders are doing, or, or the greatness. Of, this is a pretty amazing ch congregation. Eh? Like, I think we could agree to that. If you love this, now you're all going to have to raise your hands or you're going to be in trouble. Um, if you love this congregation, raise your hands. Amen. God is doing great things. We hear a miracle. We hear great things happening. And sometimes we become the men in the boat. We begin to worship at the feet of Peter, who's worshiping at the feet of Jesus, and we say, man, you got to come to my great church. Miracles are happening. Hallelujah. And, and I'm like, what's your miracle? Oh, yeah, and God's doing great things. What's God doing in your life? Because we, we, we follow, we watch Peter, and for the rest of our lives, we say, I'm from the greatest church that ever existed. Oh, that, that Josh Jen is on fire. Josh Jen is doing things. And, and we love the excitement, but we're terrified of, of, you know, of, of the flight of the plane. And so I want to challenge you that it's time to stop doing one of two things. It's stop, time to stop living on the miracle God gave you 10 years ago and say, God, where do... We get comfortable. Now, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to go swimming with crocodiles ever again. I've done it. 
until God says, do it again. I don't have to do this again. You know, I left, I left Mozambique. I left Canada to go to Mozambique. That was easy. But when God called me back, I was mad. First message I ever did back with our new congregation, I said, you guys all know the story of Jonah. And they were like, yeah, hallelujah. They're, you know, they're excited. Yeah, praise the Lord. We got a new pastor. He's going he's gonna to teach us about Jonah. I said, you're my Nineveh. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I, was, I, I said, you're my Nineveh. You're my Nineveh. They're like, what, you don't love us? I said, no, no. I love you. I prefer to love you from a distance. Um, but God has called me here. And so I, when God called me to Mozambique, it was great. And I could live on that for the rest of my life. I'm obeying the original call. But God's call and direction sometimes moves. And if you get stuck in the great things that God did 10 years ago, you're going to find that you might even have a successful ministry or a successful life. But it may still fall short of the miracle of walking on water that God has for you. And so, those who need to hear, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. But those who need to hear, stop, stop living through other people. Stop living through Peter. Stop living through Andrew or, or, or through Lucas. Or stop living through, the, through, through people. Or maybe your leader, stop living through the praise that, that, that happened five years ago. God may need you to move or do something different today. So if you want to walk on water today you got to get out of the boat today. you got to do something. And I'm, sometimes you, you have a preacher like myself, if you would, speak a lot of fancy words. And you're like, yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Ooh, we go home. We're like, yeah, get out of the boat, get out of the boat. We have no idea what that looked like. I didn't even tell you what that looked like. I just said, get out of the boat. You're like, yeah, it sounds good. I'm going to get a miracle. I'm gonna, something's, something's about to happen. Um, and then nothing happens because it's just motivational, right? Like, if you don't give an application, it's just motivational. We go, woo, it's great. Let them come back, and I still don't have to do anything. So I want to give you a couple things. How do we know what getting out of the boat looks like? Well, this is pretty easy. You know, study yourself and approve workmen who needeth not to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. There are people here today who are living with bitterness in their lives because they have failed to forgive because it's too hard to find healing in a broken relationship. And God says, get out of the boat. Go make things right. But you don't want to do that. You do not want to do that this morning. Because you know you'll probably lose your top and freak out and yell at somebody. And you're like, it's too long. I'm scared. I'm scared I won't be able to do that. And there's probably guys here who run their own businesses or, or, or at least important in their companies. And the Bible says, go into all nations, make disciples of all people. But it's way too comfortable to separate your work life from your God life. And maybe God's telling you it's time to tell your workers that the first 15 minutes of work, we're praying together. This is who we are. We are a company that is led not by me, but by Jesus. And so if the boss tells us to pray because the Bible says so, we're going to do it, and your workers won't always like you for it. And you still have to do it. There's a way you can get along. Just read the Bible. This is a great thing. You read the Bible. Find anything the Bible tells you to do, and then do what we said in the other tool. Holy Spirit, I do not know your heart. Where? Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to tell about Jesus? Who do I need to do this for? I spoke a while back and it applies today. Be ready every single day for what I like to call divine appointments. Divine appointments. You know what that means? That means when you walk, in, when you walk into the store to get your groceries, God may have a divine appointment for you. But he has the daytimer. And so what you've got to do is you've got to walk beside him. Just like, just like Jonathan's armor bearer, you've got to walk beside him. And, and when, you, when you're at the till and she's running your things by and she's got that, you know, the face. Do you know that that might be your divine appointment? 
and it's super awkward. And, 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 and I, love, I love, you know, staying with, with Andrew and, and the whole family. It's wonderful. And, and his daughter was sharing the other day. And I'm going to put her on the spot because I can because she's often other places. So you won't, you, you won't embarrass her down the road. But she was, she was beaming. And, like, and she just she, she talked. She was just talking and talking. And she wouldn't stop, which was great. I loved it. And like, that's not a bad thing. But she's like, okay, so we were over here. And we said, can we pray with you? And then we went over here, and we were like, can we pray with you? And like, this person let us pray with them, and the other person said they were an atheist. And, they, and I'm like, hallelujah. I don't care if you get rejected. Sometimes you're going to think. But sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll think you're bringing a word, and you'll get a word. Sometimes you get a challenge. Sometimes you get an encouragement. But the people who lead others to faith, are people who walk every single day and say, where's my divine appointment today? Who needs it today? You will succeed and you will fail. But if you do not move, you will not be directed. I, uh, I've said I'm in closing five times. That's how I, that's how I preach back home. Um, have you ever, you, uh, I got a new quad, uh, like a four-wheel, four quad, what do we call them, quad four-wheel? I got a new four-wheel, I got bad shoulders, bad neck, bad, bad back, I, I broke it when I was younger. Um, and I got one with power steering. Um, the reality is, is that even with power steering, um, if the quad's not, like power, so I can just do like one finger, just like move my, move, move the steering wheel, but you know what, you can move the steering wheel all you want. You never get to hit the big mud puddle that you're, that you're aiming for uh, if it's turned off. Um, you know, like, like, you can change, you, you're not actually steering it if it's not, steering it need, you, you cannot steer something without it moving. You can, you can, you can play with the steering wheel, play with the handlebars, but until you're moving in a direction, you're not going anywhere. I, I went on a great bike ride the other day, it was awesome, a bike ride, I was terrified of the, like, the little speedster, I'm, I'm used to a cruiser, and again, I love that analogy as well. On the bike, you don't even hardly touch, need the handlebars, because you take the momentum, you take the momentum, and you just lean. You try steering a motorbike without driving a motorbike. It's not, not possible. And, then, and even then sometimes you put your hands too tight on the handlebars, you don't go the direction you want. you got to lean. Lean into the spirit. Lean into these things. If you want God to do something in your life, don't be the parked car. If you want to walk on water, get out of the boat.